Well, praise God. Y'all glad to be in church this morning? Amen. I'm glad you're here too. I want to thank y'all for everything, for even having a pastor's appreciation. Uh, you know, we pass it, we get to pastor the greatest church in the world. As far as I'm concerned, y'all are the greatest people in the world. We do so much, so many great things that we've done and we're doing. And it's been an honor to be here all these years and for my family. Uh, being in here, my wife, I couldn't do it. My son, I couldn't do it. My daughter, I couldn't do it without them. And so praise God. I'm glad, you know, that uh, we get to rejoice together today. Uh, Dr. Brown said that he was going to stand in the back when we go to dinner on the grounds. He's not going to observe anything anybody eats. So that means everything's cool. He won't be lurking around the dessert table, uh, nothing of that nature. So it's like everything's okay. We've prayed it out off for just today, just today. All right. So praise the Lord for that. So I want to share something with you this morning. And, and um, I, I, you know, there's just a lot of crazy things still going on. Where we're two weeks away from the election. I've already been preaching and talking to you all about that, uh, I, I, that I believe that with all of my heart that we're standing in the precipice of either becoming a goat nation. We are a sheep nation right now, but turning and becoming a goat nation. If 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 the vote goes wrong, I believe with all of my heart that uh, that. This is this is America's last chance to vote correctly and to see everything turn. But, you know, I'm an optimist. All right. I, well, maybe I'm not an optimist. I don't know. Really? Maybe, let me let me rephrase that. I don't know what I, I just know I'm ready for anything that comes down the road. Optimist being that we're going to win. I'm talking about win overall. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about go to heaven, meet Jesus, going to live forever on the streets of glory. I'm, I'm, you know, that's a sign sealed and delivered thing. How everything else goes, it doesn't, you know, I don't know, but I just know I'm ready either way. So, but I, I got this message this morning that, that God just dropped in my heart. And so, you know, you got to realize I'm preaching out to a broadcast. Uh, hundreds and hundreds of other people are listening from all over the world besides just you. So I'm not picking on you this morning. I'm just preaching what I feel in my heart. Amen. So look at the person beside you and say, man, I love pastor. We're not going to get mad at him this morning. OK, so the message, the title of the message this morning is the spoiled child. OK, and so according to second Peter, chapter one, the Bible says God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, all things. In other words, God almighty loved us so much that he gave us all things. Everybody say all things. Okay, then Ephesians 1, 3 says, and he has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, right? So you got to understand from the from looking at this, we're kind of like spoiled kids. We've been given everything from heaven. Our heavenly father has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness been laid in our laps. But then what did we do with it? So I'm going to make a statement. here. I wrote it down. Y'all just hang on. Like a spoiled child, we did what we wanted. We asked God to give us our heart's desires, but we didn't want to dirty our hands in politics. We only looked at the short game, not the big picture. So we're here today in a mess. Across the world, listen to me, across the world right now, I want you to think about this this morning. Christians, I'm talking to Christians this morning. Think about this. For the first time since... The church, the early church formed, the church across the world's doors are shut. You are the exception this morning, meeting in church today. 
Churches are shut down everywhere. Their own lying churches, but churches for his buildings and people and Christians gathering together are shut down across the world. This is not, this is not just something that's to the, to the United States. This is across the world. The church is shut down. So all of a sudden, Christians aren't going to church anymore. And we're all just going along. So then the believer has never been weaker or more isolated than they are right now since the formation of the church. Separation is the word that goes out everywhere to separate Christians, separate Christians. But the power of Christianity is unity, coming together in agreement. If two or three, oh, no, but you can't agree because you can't get together. Oh, we can do that all over the Internet. We can Zoom conference for agreement in prayer. Well, you can, but it's not the same. There is not the same from looking at somebody saying, hey, how are you doing? And walking up to somebody and shaking their hand and say, how are you doing, brother? Okay. So what I'm saying is I'm just telling you where we're at. Today. It's not your fault. We're just where we're at in the world today. The devil has shut the church down. Now, listen to me. I know there's other things that be, other powers that be, other demonic forces that be in trying to control things. But I want to tell you something. The church, the devil wants to shut the church down. And for the first time in 2,000 years, he's done it. But let me ask you this. Who does the church belong to? Does it belong to me? Does it belong to the board? Belong to the 501C of the Living Waters Church? Church of the... This church belongs to Jesus. And the only person can shut the doors of this church is Jesus. If some person wants to come shut the doors of this church and they chain the doors of the church up and say, you can't meet, then what, 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 the church is shut down? No, I think the church is the body of Christ. It's you and I make up the church. It's not this building. We just enjoy the comfort of this building to come sit down here and have church. But I'm telling you what, if somebody came and locked the doors of the church and said, you can't have church, you can't have service. Oh, my gosh, you can't do that. You know what we're going to have to do? I'm going to get me a megaphone or a bullhorn, and we're going to go out there in that field, and we're going to we're going to get some red paint or, or, or orange tape or something, string it all off six foot apart, and everybody's going to stand out there because the church can't be shut down. We can't quit preaching. What? What are we going to say to the Chinese church all over the world? The, I mean, the, over in China, uh, uh, across the world there. What are we going to say to them? Oh, well, y'all shouldn't be meeting because your, your government said it's a, it, you're not supposed to meet in church and have church. Church Christianity is banned. We got, we, we're so soft. Us Americans, we're so soft. We're so spoiled children. We're so soft. We haven't been persecuted for being Christians until now. And they got it written off to it's not persecution. It's safety. But I'm telling you, we got to wake up as Christians. We've got to wake up and say, no, we're going to have church no matter what it means. I'm just going to say this, and of course, I only get the pastors right back, and they ain't watching this anyway. But I think pastors that have closed their doors of their churches, I think there's an element of them out there that said, this is the greatest thing ever. I don't have to deal with the people. I shoot my little video on Sunday, and I don't have to deal with the people, talk to them, and sit anything. I have to listen to their gripes and their complaints and their murmurings, and I still get paid. I believe it. We have to take the attitude that we are as a church of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we are something, that we are not declared non-essential, that we have the answer for humanity. We have the answer for depression. We have the answer for suicide. We have the answer for all the issues that are going on. We have the answer. And without the church, man, we're in some serious trouble. 
I cannot jump up and down enough and I cannot shout enough that I have, you know, in the countries that I have been in, you know that you cannot sense and feel the spirit of God like you do here in America. It's different. There's not liberty. There's not freedom. You, you, you have to have been there and existed in those places until you can stand up and say, no, it is different here. Why? Because the spirit of God has been upon America and the church of, of, of Jesus' church in America has preached the gospel all around the world, financed missions all over the world, done this and seen people's, people rescued and saved. And if that church gets shut down, that church stops. I want to tell you something. We're in some serious trouble. Christians, we sit and we, we sit and <laughs> help me, Jesus. Christians have sat on their hands and done nothing to stop where America's gone. That's a true statement. It hurts. It stings. But it's a true statement. We've allowed our schools to, to lead our children astray because we didn't maintain the family unit. We've allowed a government to do what they wanted because we didn't vote. We have preached, we, uh, we have preached false doctrine from the pulpits and led people astray and we didn't do anything about it. As believers, we've not declared the gospel to our fellow man. Folks, it's time for us to make a radical change. Now, <laughs> I really don't believe it's too late. And I've told you this from every message I've preached. This is not about Republicans and Democrats. This is not about left or right. This is about God and the enemy. And if you cannot see it, from just a little bit of watching the news, if you cannot see it, then something's wrong with your thinking. I'm sorry. This is not about policies. This is not about environment. This is not about that. When you're talking about the horrible, wicked things that are going on and what people are talking about uh, uh, doing and what needs to be done and where America needs to be going, when you talk about wanting to take our history and completely erase that this, this nation was formed in 1776 and take it back to 1619 and totally change that, you want to rip down all the statues, you want to take down all the stuff that, that, that has anything to do, all the founding fathers, anybody that stood up that was godly and, and believed in <laughs> hard work, which nobody wants to do. That's where most of them are, are upset. They just want it given to them. All right. And if you can't see that, that right now we're standing there and if it goes one way, man, I don't know. If it goes the other way, well then glory to God. We're going to have, we're going to have another chance. It's going to get rough, but we're going to have some chance. Okay. So what we have to do as Christians, and I have to preach this to y'all. Y'all are the sheep of the of, of flock here at Living Waters Church. I have to tell you these things to encourage us to keep our minds straight so you get sharp as razors. So when you go out there in the world and you're talking to people, man, you've got ammunition. You go. So the two things that, the, that, that believers, two things that believers, we were called to do, okay? The number one is to preach the gospel. Do you know that preaching the gospel is not just for this pulpit and the guy behind here is the pastor of the church. Preaching the gospel means, I, I looked up the word preaching. I thought, well, maybe there's a, a real interesting meaning to the word preaching the gospel, you know, and like, what did it mean? And it means to say something extremely loud with repetition over and over so that everyone hears it. To herald the gospel. In other words, we're supposed to be people out there that's jumping up and down every time somebody says, oh, I got a hangnail on my finger. Oh, let's pray for it. Jesus, heal it. And then they say, well, I'm about to lose my marriage. Oh, Jesus, I heal it. 
Oh, I've got cancer. Oh, Jesus will heal it. Well, Jesus is the answer for everything. Are y'all with me? It's y'all's job, my job, to preach and herald the gospel, the good news that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. I believe we're coming into a time of great evangelism. I'm so ex still excited and pushing on the deal for Kenya. We should have that land in our name. They're signing papers. They're surveying it all off right now. And I have pushed them. I said, look, we've got to get it going. Give me the prices on buildings right now. I want to get the kitchen set up. I want to get the wall set up. I want to see thousands of kids come in there every day to be fed because they're going to be preached the gospel. I want to see this whole slum of Nakuru. I want to attack this thing with force to get the gospel preached. I'm talking to Sister Annie down in, 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 in uh, all the missions in Mexico, and I'm going to say, what, are we gonna, what can we do for, about doing revivals? What can we do about getting things up? What do the people need? They need finances. They need whatever. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. If you've ever been hesitant on preaching the gospel, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Put anybody out there. Put them out there. Just preach, preach, preach. I'll buy a pastor down there, one of those cars, the big megaphones on top of it, right around town and something. Man, I'm telling you, we got to go forward. We got to preach. We have got to tell people the question. The reason why I'm telling you that is because I believe that we're into a time that the dispensation of the age of grace is about to stop. And we're about to see a change in the whole world. And we're coming into the second advent of Christ. And there is the, no time after that happens. And we've got to preach the gospel. We've got to tell people Jesus is coming back. We've got to get people prepared. The second thing, well, let me read this to you. Go to, to in your Bibles. Turn your Bibles to Mark 16, 14. Jesus gave us this commission to herald the gospel. I didn't get it. This is not church doctrine. I mean, it is a doctrine of the church, but I'm saying I didn't make it up. We didn't come up with this idea. Jesus said to his disciples, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you believe in Jesus Christ, that he's your Lord and Savior, you are a disciple. This commission is to you. It says, he later he appeared to the leaven as they sat at the table. He rebuked them for their unbelief and their hardness of heart. I believe the Christians today, I'm not, y'all are here in church, this is radical church. Y'all come to radical church. So I'm not, I'm not necessarily following, this applies to you, but there's people listening. And, and, and the Christians, Christians need to be rebuked for their unbelief. You hear what I'm saying? Christians need to be rebuked for their unbelief. Is Jesus Lord or not? That song we've been singing, the Waymaker song, you know, it says that one part. When I first, when I first read it and saw the lyrics to it, I was like, I don't know if I like those. It says, you know, the part about even when we don't see that you're working. And so then I was like, I don't know, Lord. I don't know if I like that or not, you know. And then all of a sudden I got to thinking, I said, you know, my gosh, he's always working. We're just not seeing it. He's always moving. We're just not doing what we're, it's always our fault. It isn't God. God didn't fall off the throne. God didn't quit being a healer. Hear what I'm saying today, church. My gosh almighty, I'm going to jump on the pulpit if I could. Of course, I want to get some legs that can run, but I don't want to try that yet. Uh, I, See, like I sit around the house, I do crazy things with my wife. We have a coffee table, you know, normal standard size coffee table. It's, it's a big coffee table, big heavy duty one. For all the grandsons I've got, they won't tear up. And so sometimes I'll get to feeling kind of, you know, a little frisky, like, you know, a calf on an oat field in a cool morning. And I'll look over there and i say, you know, do you think you could stand flat footed and jump on top of that coffee table? And so then we'll have a big debate about it. You know, we'll talk back and forth. You think you do it? I don't know. It sure would hurt if you hit your shin, you know. We do we do it. We, I hadn't tried. <laughs> but we talk about things like that. But I'm just like that this morning. I just want to jump up on here and say, listen, folks, we have got to. It, God is nothing wrong on his end. 
There's nothing wrong on God's end. God's word's true. And if he said he's a healer, he's a healer. If he said he's a forgiver, he's a forgiver. If he said he'd wash away your sins, he'll wash away your sins. And it's time for Christians to kind of get rebuked for their unbelief. And that's what he did. He said that he rebuked for the unbelief and the hardness of heart. And he said, go to all the world, preach the gospel to every, it's this creature. When I first started out, man, I, I, I was so hungry and started to, to, just to preach. I preached to my poor old dog. I got my dog tied it up on the porch and preached to the dog. I said, you said creature here, so he's a creature, man. He's got to listen. The dog would just look at me like I was nuts. I'd just be preaching, man. I'd lay hands on the dog, then tell it to lay down like it got slain in the spirit. You know, I mean, I worked the whole thing out. Walked up and down the porch like there was crowds of thousands and preaching to my dog tied to the porch so he wouldn't run off. But it says, go run. It says, go run. Go to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. How much simpler can it get? The gospel just means the good news. The good news of what? That Jesus paid the price for us and that you can be right with God and go to heaven. That's it. There's nothing complicated about it. It doesn't have to be church membership. What letter do you have? How is your attendance? What are you doing? Do you go worship in a church with big bell fast and, you know, and stained glass windows and bell towers and all that? Are you going to a church like ours? Or are you going to just go out there in the field and you're worshiping God? But wherever it is, that Jesus, you believe, that's what we're preaching to people. Jesus will forgive your sins. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents and drink any deadly thing. It will by no means hurt them, and they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Signs and wonders follow them. And it says the next verse is, and the Lord went with them, with, uh, and, and accompanying signs accompanying them. Folks, we have got to get to be radical Christians again. We've got to quit being mealy-mouthed little Christians who don't speak up and say anything. And say, that's wrong. That's wrong. And we're not doing it. And I don't know why. I don't know why people are just letting it go. Now, part of it, there's a lot of people saying stuff, but it gets censored. One of the, one of the questions, and I, I, I'm just going to say it because I, I don't really care anymore. I'm just going to the end of my rope. When, uh, they, they're, they're doing uh, um, one of the questions in the town hall the other day, Joe Biden, he was up there talking about, uh, you know, one of the things that he thought that should be done in is that the eight-year-old child ought to have a, uh, uh, be able to have a transgender change if he wanted to, that he should have the right to do that. I want to say this. What the heck are we doing talking about that? we got 300 million Americans out here that are struggling to just get their families fed, to educate their children, to get them off of drugs, get them out of poverty, and to get them out of all stuff. And we're talking about that. How many people could be working and having to deal with that? Huh? How many parents could possibly that be in this world having to want their, their eight-year-old wants to change their gender? There's 300 million of us, and that's the kind of stupidity we're going to be talking about. And if people can't look at that, if people can't look at that and say, what is wrong with the world today? I mean, that's disgusting. You follow me? You got people dying, and we're talking about that. Oh, it's a big, it's a big deal. But Christians just sit there, and we fold our hands, and we don't do anything. 
We don't say anything to our coworkers. We don't say anything to anybody. We let people, well, you know, they need to have their opinion. And then if you do say anything, they just come in with this vicious attack of beating everybody down that you're uncaring. You're, you're such a, you know, a homophobe, phobophobe, dobophobe, bubba, 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 phobe, you know, whatever it is they come up with out there. They got every phobin in the world out there, accuse you of all this stuff and going on. You just say, look, you're just stupid. I don't know what to talk. Say, you're just dumb. You're stupid. You don't know what the word of God says. The Bible says this. I believe the word of God's true. The only fool here is you. And if any of y'all come in and say, Pastor, I got to confess, I was over there the other day and I got in a fight. He said something and I said something, you know, I'm going to forgive you. You'll be absolved of that pretty quick, you know. Because, I mean, it's about getting to that. All right. But I'm just telling you that the world's gone nuts. All right. So Christians, we have ever, 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 we need to preach the gospel. We need to be saying it to everybody everywhere we go. Every time you hear something stupid come out of somebody's mouth, you just say, that's not true. Here's what the word of God says. We need to stand up. You know, we keep voting people in. We don't, but they do. And then everybody complains about what they're doing. Why'd you vote them in? Lord. Second thing. Second thing that we're required to do. We're required to do. We're required to preach the gospel. The second thing we're required to do is according to Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let me just read it to you. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. It says, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Let us consider one another. Let us consider one another. That means you're not thinking about yourself. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much as more to see the day approaching. Folks, I'm telling you, I see the day approaching and today is not the day to be forsaking ourselves in the assembling of ourselves together. But it, well, let me just stop for a second. I just thought of something. If you come to church and you don't do anything but come to church and sit and, and listen to the worship service and be a spectator and leave, well, it doesn't really make any difference if you assemble or not. I said it. Church is supposed to be the body of Christ. We're supposed to be loving one another, caring about one another. We're supposed to be seeing somebody else's needs. You're supposed to be looking at your neighbor over there saying, oh, Sally over there, she don't look too hot today. We maybe need to go over there and pray for her. That's your job. And I say, well, if Sally wants prayer, she should go to the front. Pastor Robert will take care of her. He's the one that does that. That's why we pay the preacher. <laughs> no, it's our job to not... Be selfish and self-centered and be considering one another and not forsaking the assembling ourselves together because we're there to pray for one another. Why do I tell y'all to join hands and pray for the person beside you? Because you should be caring about the neighbor. I'm trying to break those bond, those, those whatever they are, walls, goofiness that we got in our life that we don't want anybody to know who we are. Oh, Lord, don't want anything to know anything about our life. You can come look at my life, man. I'm a sinner saved by grace. Bless God. And I ain't got everything straight, but I'm still here fighting, still moving forward. But now the church is disassembled. You know, thank God for our governor who hasn't put the restrictions on us as heavy as they are like in California and other places. But I'm telling you what, we cannot fake, forsake this. I mean, this church, I'm telling you, will not be shut, shut down. The doors are open, man. And I'd, I'm not looking to stop capacity. I would like to have, uh, you know, I would like to have an overabounding. I'd like to just have to bust those windows out and somebody has to sit outside out there. I'd like it to get full and overflowing and people coming from everywhere and everybody caring about one another, everybody looking for one another and everybody 
praying for one another and everybody's saying, oh, did you know? And coming up and, and oh, pastor, I just want to give you a report the other day. So on, so was sick over there. And I went over there and prayed for the house. They're healed. They're taking care of everything. Oh, God bless you. Thank you for taking care of the sheep like that. That's what I want to see. I want to see the body of Christ in action. I want to see the body of Christ working. I want to see y'all just pray and take care of everybody. And I know y'all do so many things. So I'm not hammering y'all and beating you up today because I don't think y'all are doing anything. I'm preaching to the church. I'm trying to get you to open your eyes to what a church should be. We don't just come to church today, have fellowship today, and then tomorrow we're just back out there in the world working. No, you are the church going out there into the world. Okay, so we got to shout it from the rooftops. We have got to get up, folks. We have got to preach more we've ever preached. We've got to shout it from the rooftops. Ephesians 6.10. Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Not our might, not our strength. I can't do it. Me, Robert Richards. Man, I know what my limitations are. I was just telling somebody a while ago, man, I work really hard for a week, and then I got to recover for a week, maybe two. I know what my limitations are. I know how far I can go till my muscles are going to be too sore that I got nothing else. I know what my mental capacity and my ability to preach capacity is. I know where that is. But Jesus can. And the last time I checked, the greater one lives on the inside of me. And the greater one lives on the inside of you. And greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. Come on. We got to look to his might, his strength, his spirit. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Folks, we got wiles going everywhere. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness in this age, against a spiritual host of wickedness in heavenly places. That's why I'm telling you, this battle that we're fighting is not a battle between against the Democrats and the Republicans or whatever. It's not against this, that, and the other. It's not against uh, Vice President Biden. It's not against him. It's against the wickedness and principalities and the powers that are behind it. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. So we have to stand up and preach. As Christians, we got to stand up. It's time to stand up. It's time to stand up. As Christians, it's time to encourage other Christians to stand up. And why not? The power is on our side. Now, this is where I'm going to tile this up at the end here. We're going to be through. We're going to be eating early. But I'm going to make you happy right now. All right. I won't make you happy from this point. I told you where we're at. I told you what's going on. But I'm going to make you really happy right now. OK, because I want to tell you the power is on our side and we are in the family of God. So we win. I don't know exactly how it's coming down the road. But like I said, I'm ready. Whatever's coming. I'm 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 good with it because I'm going to build. Jesus is with me and God hasn't forsaken me. God's not going to let it go. No, 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 no. I'm believing for, for, for the power of God, for a demonstration of the Spirit and the power of God to be released. That's what I'm believing. Okay. So I'm going to give you some scriptures here. You're probably going to want to jot them down. Okay. So God's on our side. So Isaiah 54, 15 through 17. Isaiah 54, 15 through 17. It says, indeed, they shall surely assemble, but not because of me. Whoever assembles against you shall fall for your sake. <laughs> Hear what he's saying. This is Papa. Right? This is Abba Father. This is Papa. This is a God who created the heavens and the earth and all therein. And he says to you, his children, <clears throat> don't worry. If anybody assembles against you, they're going to fall. 
Is that some favor? <laughs> Whoever assembles against you shall fall for your sake. Behold, I've created the blacksmith who blows the coals in the fire and who brings forth an instrument to his work. I have created the spoiler to destroy. Uh, no weapon who forms against you shall prosper. So wouldn't that mean people, sickness, poverty, uh, coronavirus, uh, flu virus, any devil from hell, anything that would want to raise its ugly head if it says no weapon, no weapon that forms against you is going to prosper? It didn't say it wasn't going to come against you. It just didn't say it's not going to prosper. Do you hear what I'm saying? It will not have victory and success over you. God the Father said that to you. You say, well, God, I'm, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I believe all this. I'm taking it, man. Folks, listen to me. I'm claiming it. He spoiled us as children. So why aren't we grabbing hold of it and taking it? No weapon formed against you is going to prosper. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage, the heritage of the servants of the Lord. That word heritage means it's your inheritance as the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. Do you hear that, folks? No weapon that forms against you is going to prosper. Nothing. So they think they're going to win. They're not going to win. They think they're going to shut the church down. They're not going to shut the church down. They think they're going to stop the gospel. They're not going to stop the gospel. They think they're going to stop signs, wonders, and miracles. No. Because no weapon that forms against us is going to prosper. But we get all goofy when a problem arises. Because we think if God's with us, we should have no problems. We think if God's with us, then everything, our days will be perfect. Hello? But he says, no, no, no. The weapon that forms against you, he didn't say no weapon would form against you. He said the weapon that forms against you is not going to prosper. So let's go to Psalms 5810. Now, this was kind of gross, but I saw it, and I was like, and I love it. I just love this one. Psalms 5810. It says, the righteous shall rejoice when he sees the vengeance. He shall wash his feet in the blood of the wicked. Now, I, I don't, you know, I mean, I, I don't know why you'd want to wash your feet in the blood, because that's just going to make your feet dirty. But I believe the metaphor here is you're going to be dancing on their grave. Hello? But he says, you're going to walk. He shall wash his feet in the blood of the wicked so that men will say, oh, surely there's a reward for the righteous. <laughs> surely he is God who judges in the earth. Folks, you as a Christian have a have a job to go forth and to show forth that Jesus is Lord. You want to win and see victory in life because. Let the unrighteous look out there and say, wow, it does pay to serve God. Hello. Well, so John 10, 29, one of my favorite scriptures, John 10, 29 says, my father has given them to me and is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. And I and my father one. You're in the palm of the father's hand. There's no weapon going to form against you. Listen, no matter what goes in, listen to me. If it goes the other way and the, and, 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 and the election doesn't go the way we want it to go, I'm still not going to be worried. I'm still not going to fall down. I'm still not going to fall to pieces. The doors of the church are going to be open. I'm going to keep preaching the gospel. Things are going to get a little rowdy. I don't know how it's going to go. I, I don't exactly know how all this is going to take place. Uh, you know, I, I can. I know what they're going to try, but I don't know how it's all going to work out. But I don't. I mean, it doesn't make any difference. I'm just going to follow the Holy Ghost and go on. 
Jesus is not diminished. There would be a reason why God wanted it to happen in order for something else to take place. I don't know. I can see it going the way, you know, but anyway, God's in control. It's not like it's not Jesus turned to the father and said, oh, darn, we lost the election. It didn't go the way we should. have. What should we do? Hello? But it's time for us as Christians to rise up and realize we're the spoiled kids. It's all been laid out to us. It's all been given to us. No weapon that forms against us is going to prosper. We're in the palm of the Father's hand. Ain't nothing going to happen. We're supposed to be dancing over the graves of our enemies. People are supposed to turn to us and say, wow, pays to be a Christian. So let's go on. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. I want to finish up here. Romans 8, 31. I love this. What shall we say to these things? How many of y'all have some things coming up in life? Things. They and them and things are two things that really irritate me. And three things that really irritate me. They and them, because I know they and them are working against me somehow. I don't know who they are, but they're they and them, right? They and them. And then things. Things happen. Hello? Things sometimes, they just happen. Right? The other day, I was finishing up um, some work on my mother's house. And I was putting up literally the last board, the last board on the house, the last board I was going to screw down of hundreds I had put up, the last one. And as I did it, I felt something hit my hand, and I went ahead and I put the board down, and I looked, and I had a, a splinter sticking out of my hand. And I was like, oh, well, I got a splinter. I pulled it off, and I thought, that didn't look right, but this finger is dead. I don't have any feeling in it. And so I... Uh, Went ahead and I started working. I reached up to grab hold of the drill and I grabbed the drill and I did. I felt something kind of stick me. And I was like, wow. Something. And I got to looking and it was a splinter all the way through my finger from one end to the other. And I said, the last board. The last board. It couldn't have, you know, and I wanted to just start. I wanted to get angry. I wanted to say, you know, and I wanted to be and say, come on, Lord, you know, where are you, Holy Ghost? What are you doing, angels? The last board of me. Couldn't have got one more board up and not had to do this. And I stopped looking. I said, oh, well, thank God it's in my dead finger. I can't feel it. So my, the, the thing is, is th they and them things happen. But what are we going to say to them? Oh, well, God be for us who can be against us. Where are the Christians in the world standing up and say, look, God is for us. And so you can't be against us. We're not going down the road to this garbage. We're not going down the road to this stupidity. We're not going down the road to all this debauchery and all these things going on. We're not going to be baby killers. We're not going to stand before Jesus and say that we're baby killers. What are we doing? Stop this. Boom. Put an end to it. Did y'all see that? Oh, just forget. He who did not spare his own son, but he delivered up from us all. How should I not with him freely give us all things? All things. How many things you need? You got them. You need healing today? You got it. It's all. It's in the all. It's in everything that pertains into life and godliness. Healing. There's a key. There's a key to everything. You've got to find it. Romans 8, 33. You're still going down to verse 33. Who shall bring any charge of God's elect? Oh, wait. Aren't you God's elect? Aren't you the small child? Isn't that you? So who's going to bring anything against God's elect? Oh, well, it's God that justifies. God's the one who justifies. It's Christ who died and furthermore is also risen and, and who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us. Wow. Now he's praying for us. Now he's over there interceding for us against those things, they and them. Hello? He's interceding for you. He's praying for you. So who's going to lay anything to God's elect? 
Folks, the door is wide open. Uh, Revelation chapter four, verse one says, and the door to heaven was open. The door to heaven is open for us. But are we going to walk through it? Hear me, as Christians, are we going to press and walk through it? Or are we too busy with our lives and the thing going on in our lives? It's the truth. I don't, I'm not trying to be ugly to you today. This is y'all are honoring us today as pastors today. So I don't want to beat you up, you know, whatever. And I'm not trying to do that. I'm just shaking us to say as a church, why don't we become the most radical church that there is? Why, why, why don't we get these things out of the way of the distractions of life out of the way? And why don't we become, you know, the greatest praying church that there ever has been? 35, verse 35, Romans 8, 35. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Hold on, folks. Who's going to bring anything against you? Who's going to separate us from the love of God? Do you hear what he's saying? God's love is always bounding towards you, just boiling and running and just abounding towards you. God's love, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Oh, God doesn't love me. I did something stupid. That's a lie from the pit of hell. God's love is always abounding towards you. Otherwise, Romans 8.35 is a lie. And if Romans 8.35 is a lie, you better watch it because Romans 10.9 might be a lie. If you confess with the mouth and believe in your heart in Jesus, you'll be saved. It's all true. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine, for nakedness or peril or sword, as it's written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter, yet in all things, you're more than conquerors through him who loves us. Do you see what spoiled kids we are? You see what God has got everything laid out for us. You can't be stopped. You as Christians cannot be stopped. A Bible-believing, Holy Ghost Christian cannot be stopped. Verse 38, for I'm persuaded that neither death nor life. Oh, folks, death can't stop you. Hear what I'm saying. Get your thinking straight. This is not life. This is where you're living right now. Life is stepping over to the other side because that is forever. That's eternal life. Not death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities. Devil ain't going to win. Nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you remember when, when the children were in Egypt and they were trying to leave and they said the, the more that they got plundered, the more that they, the more pressure that Pharaoh put on them, the more they populated? That's what we have to do as Christians in this day and age. Folks, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm just, let me just give you a hint of a few things. If, if the Democrats win the election, all right, I, I, I'm just saying it and I don't care. If they win the election, you as Christians are going to be the most persecuted people on the face of the earth. This church is going to become a place of, of total and complete persecution by the government. I can promise you that. You, you, I know that y'all are all worried about guns and trying to take your guns, but I want to tell you something. The, the persecution of the church is going to be so much greater than that, it's going to be unbelievable. Because all they have to do is change a few things. And then all of a sudden, you become enemy number one. You become a terrorist of the state because if the state says everybody's okay, but we have to say, no, certain people you know, we've, it's sin to be that way, then you become the enemy of the state, and it's no big deal for them to turn you into a domestic terrorist. And he said, oh, Robert, that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. I can't believe you'd say that. Who would ever thought a vice president of the United States would be talking about an eight-year-old transgender? 
Who would ever think about wanting to go to full-term abortion? Who would ever think about, here we are, we're country folks. Who would ever think about them coming up and wanting to do something about cattle flatulation as a problem to climate change? We laugh about it, but they do. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, I'm like, what? So what I said right there that may seem far-fetched from you, compare the two. Mine's a shoe-in compared to cattle. Right? I'm going to give you the last scripture. 1 John 5.4. This is the one that you need to have sewed on the inside of your eyeballs or eyelids. And whatever is born of God overcomes the world. So let me just say this way. For those of you that are born again, you overcome. And this is the victory that overcomes the world? Our faith. So the, 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 whole, the whole message here about being a spoiled child boils down to this one point. Where's your faith? Because you can obviously see from the scriptures, God has got everything behind you. Obviously, God's love is, can't be separated from you. Obviously, no weapon that forms against you is going to prosper you. Obviously, every, you're in the palm of the Father's hand. I mean, these are easy. I'm not pulling scripture out of text is what I'm trying to tell you. So the only issue has to be with your faith. Because you just couldn't believe God could love you. You just couldn't believe God could forgive you. You just couldn't believe God could heal you. You just couldn't believe God would do anything for you because you couldn't believe these scriptures I gave you this morning. So therefore, you didn't see him operate in your life. I want to be radical, crazy faith people. I've always said I would rather have to be pulling y'all off the walls than trying to resurrect you. You know, I'd always like to just be going and say, well, you, you know, you're just giving a little hyper spiritual there, but, you know, just take it down just a little notch. But I like excitement. Okay? Then just to be out here just preaching to a dadgum, you know, graveyard. And y'all aren't. Right? So church, listen to me. I want to pray for you. But I'm believing God with all of my heart that we are about to step into a time that there's going to be something just one day is going to snap. We're all going to see it. We're going to be standing here. We're just, it's just going to snap. And you're going to start to see the whole church and the function of the church change. I believe that this place is going to fill up. I believe that there's going to be people coming in from the north, south, the east, and the west. I believe that people are going to walk in. I believe you're going to see signs, wonders, and miracles. I'm going to stand here, and I'm going to laugh because I'm going to see all y'all doing it. I'm going to, it's, going to, it's going to be exciting. I believe it, in, in some parts it could be a little ugly, could be a little messy, could be a little out of, seem like out of order because it may get loud and rowdy. And I want to see the blind Bartimaeus bust through the doors and the ushers trying to hold him back, trying to check him, see if he has a gun on getting into church. Some crazy man running into the front and everybody's tackling. He's still fighting to get up here and he says, I just want to see. Huh? I want to see people say, I'm not going home until I get full of the Holy Ghost. I'll stay here in the church all night. I'm here forever. I'm, I'm, I want to see hunger in people. I want to see people that are not worried about, well, I, did, I wanted to go, but I was scared of what happened. Somebody might see me, and I just didn't know. I, you know, I felt uncomfortable. I want to see people just scream and run into the front of the altar. Do you know in the days of the early revivals that took place in America, and it took place in America, it's part of history. It's not part of some, you know, you know um, crazy thing. It took place in the early 1900s. There were people that used to preach 
and different pastors and, and then people just have visions and the whole floor open up and they'd see hell and they would just run to the altar and get saved. And the little old man that was preaching, the pastor, he would he couldn't see. He didn't have good eyesight. And, you know, in those days he didn't have bright lights or anything. And so he had to read his sermon and they said he had to get real close to it and he'd get real close to it and he'd just be reading his sermon right here, going through this, talking about sinners in the hands of an angry God was his message. And he'd be preaching, preaching, preaching. And then he had an attendant stand there and he'd say, was something happening? And he'd say, not yet, sir. He'd just keep reading, keep reading, and then something happening. And then they'd say, yeah, there's a few moving. There's people starting to cry in the, in, out in the chairs. And he'd just keep reading, and all of a sudden, it just break and all come down. He'd tap him on the shoulder and say, they're, they're all coming to the front now. Because he couldn't see anything. People just getting saved, left and right. Healed, miracles, signs, wonders. It's coming, church. But we got to get our faith going. We got to get ourselves stirred up. We got to be hungry for the things of God. We got to be sitting around at our homes when we're not just in church, reading our Bibles and studying the things of God, and talking it over to your wife and back and forth to your husband. He's going, so what, what's going on? What do you think you ever think about this scripture? You know, man, my wife and I, we had major revelation this week. And I was just sharing with her, preaching to her, and she preaching to me. And I mean, man, we were just going at it. You got to start reading. You got to start sitting around watching, finding some YouTube videos and, and be watching them, other pastors preaching or whatever's going on. And, you know, I mean, that, there's all kinds of exciting things going on. Folks, listen to me. We're not going to be the dead church that's going to miss it. All right. And in the meantime, we're going to be rescuing children, building homes for, for widows and orphans. And we're going to be doing everything in the world we can get as many people saved with everybody else. But I'm believing for some exciting good times. Amen. So I want to pray for you. So stand up. Matter of fact, I'm going to bless the food. I'm going to take care of everything. Your fellowship. Listen to me. Make a new friend today, church. Go find somebody. You might need that person. Okay? But what I've preached, you've got to do it. I preached it. You've got to do it. And so just get your hearts right. For those of you watching in the, in the audience, listen to me. I want to tell you something. We're meeting here every week. And we're not going to stop. And I want to tell you. No matter where you are, by distance right now, you can still have Jesus come into your life, touch you, heal you, bless you right where you're at. If you'll cry out to him, if you'll be hungry for him and you'll cry to him, God will touch you right where you are. The Bible simple it says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart and Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you will be saved. End of story. There's nothing else. No other hoops to jump through. You have to give your life to Jesus and say, Lord, I believe that you're the Son of God. So if you're out there watching right now, do that. Pray this prayer and say, Jesus, come into my life. I believe with all of my heart you are the Son of God. I want you to come into my life and into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I love you, Jesus. You pray a prayer like that, and I won't guarantee you. Right now, the Spirit of God's touching you. But if you're in here, matter of fact, let me have some prayer team people come down. If you're in here today and you need prayer for anything, because I, I, I'm believing for anything. I'm believing signs, wonders, and miracles. Amen? And I don't care what it is, what's going on, God will touch you. And I, I just want you to know, I love you guys. Y'all are the best people in the world. Y'all are the greatest church on the face of the earth. I believe that you're, you're being a part of this church has put y'all into a place where you're a part of the, the, the elite fighting group of the army of God. And we're going to get sharper. Amen? Amen? So look at the person beside you and say, you know, you're really awesome.
So, Father, I just pray for them right now in Jesus' name. I ask you to bless them, to bless this congregation, to bless Living Waters Church. This is your church, Lord. It's not our church. It's your church. And that your word would go forth, that people would be blessed, that their hunger would be turned into fire, Lord, as they believe for you. And then we see signs and wonders and miracles. Lord, I just believe you right now for touching each and every one of them. That even today is our fellowship we have, Lord God, here at dinner on the grounds and we have fellowship, Lord, that we will encourage one another that iron sharpens iron and that, Lord, we will see your hand moving upon our lives. Now, Lord, we praise you for it. Lord, we thank you for it. Bless them. Bless all the food today. Bless all the fellowship today and everyone who prepared it, Lord, in Jesus mighty name. Amen and amen and amen. God bless you, church.